Welcome to Just Add Butter. I'm Brian. And I'm Steven. We discuss keto, weight loss, and everything that drives us crazy about them both. So sit back, grab your favorite keto snack, and just add butter. Welcome to episode 35. Jab. It's jab. We're just going to do an acronym now. That's what cool people do. And we're officially cool. So jab. Welcome to jab. I, I don't like it. I don't either. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the uh, same page for once. Just add butter. Uh, this is our 35th episode. Um, we're going to be attacking, and I would say attacking, we're going to be discussing a little bit more of uh, mm. uh, deeper issues uh, and trauma. Uh, and so this this episode will still have some, some you know, rabbit holes that we go through, but uh, has is more leaning into more of the seriousness of just uh, trauma and how that can de- develop into coping mechanisms and bad habits. And, and this comes off for of... your, your health, your mental health yeah. and physical health journey. This comes off the back of one of our last episodes. We talked about, you know, how we built these unhealthy relationships with food, right? And then I did a post last week and I was, you know, blown away by the level of of interaction I got on that post talking about how, you know, each of us have our own individual journey that led us to, you know, ultimately putting on weight and then looking for ways typically on my Instagram page is keto, like for ways to take that weight off and develop healthier relationships with food. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know that she doesn't listen to this, uh, this podcast, but, uh, a coworker of mine and, uh, I'll say a friend, you know, she, uh, when I first started losing weight, we had like this heart to heart and she was just like, just make sure that you're healing yourself and you're not just losing weight because then it'll never stick. And she was talking yeah. from her own experiences, how like she yo-yoed quite a lot. And that I, that thought has stuck with me the entire time I've been on keto is like to make sure that I'm putting in the work outside of just going, going to the gym outside of, you know, tracking my macros, all that kind of stuff. But further is to, to work on why I got the way I was in the first place. Yeah. And so I touched on this last time, right? How I used to be way more active with work. And so I could eat whatever I developed terrible eating habits there before that as a, as a kid, I definitely used uh, like food and treats as just like a way to make myself feel happy in that moment. I got called out on it. My grandma called me fat. And so I hit it. Right. And so I learned this behavior to hide what you eat and yeah. looking back at everything. And I know I've touched on different parts of this throughout, but I know that I, like, like I said, I'd stop at something McDonald's on my home finish it and throw it away before I got home so that no one, no one knew about it. Didn't exist. And then I'd go have dinner. Right? Yeah. No one knows those calories don't count. If nobody saw I told you, myself. it doesn't count. Yeah. That's the situation. Yeah. And it, the, like yeah, you and I've kind of in that same boat. Um, cause with my work I've traveled and Must so a big boat. <laughs> it's just a big boat. It's, I mean, there's a lot of people that have been affected by this, but, mm-hmm. um, when you when you struggle with weight issues in your life, if it, if it's early on in your life or it's later on in your life, uh, you you f- you create these habits of somehow finding uh, some sort of euphoric uh, mm-hmm. moment with food by yourself, yep. um, and that usually involves guilt afterwards. And so um, it's like you eat, you feel great, and then you're like, "Shit, I got to clean up my mess because mm-hmm. I have to act like I didn't eat anything," and then eat normally. And so. Right. Uh, 
it's a struggle for all of us. And I know personally how I went through um, my just, yeah, it, just going through this episode, just got diving deeper into mm-hmm. kind of just like interpersonal things, just things like that. Um, I didn't start struggling with weight until I was like later on in high school. And because okay. um, I was I was very athletic. I didn't develop. I mean, like the way I ate was mm-hmm. the way that my coaches told me to eat because it was like, you have to be this size, this weight. You need to look like this. You need to be able to lift this. And so sure. I ate the way they told me to eat. Um, and then so I it's continued their that. Fault. It's not their fault, <laughs> but I continued that trend. But the um, things that went on through like my adolescence and my, my, my teenage, my, my teenage angst years where I used to think yeah. like you know, everything was, everything was against me. And so I turned on Lincoln park and, you know, turned off my lights in my room and thought, you know, this is just what I have to go through. Dude, you I know, still do that. Still I mean, you have that. to, you have to find your coach. Chester guy. Bennington, the notes he hits, the range Dude, he has. Oh. oh my God. There, there's no, there's no better singer than what was Chester Bennington. Um, and like how uh, long he can hold notes. Like, yeah, I'm going to derail us. How do you, for, I've tried I mean, that's to what it is. And when, when, when his, when he died a few years back and I, yeah. I posted on Facebook, like it really affected me because no other artist like truly affected me because I, I attached myself to Lincoln park because yeah. it, like it, it, it fed into my teenage angst. It, it fed into like making me like, okay, I'm feeling these things, but there's a voice to it now. And so yeah. and that voice actually can sing and also like rock yell. And mm-hmm. so uh, it was, it was a, it was a major one. So I was like, I was very impressed and I was, I was very thankful that I actually got to see him live. Like I actually oh, wow. got to sing Lincoln Park. And so it was like, I That's was very cool. thankful that I got to experience that in person, even as a kid, like I was 16 when I went to go see a Lincoln Park concert. Like that's, it was insane. Jeez. Um, and that takes me, that was one of the best concerts I ever went to. Cause it was Lincoln Park, Disturbed, Papa Roach, Slipknot and Mudvayne. Like, no, I'm over, I'm way over disturbed. Well, that like this was this is when they're all brand new. Disturb was brand new. Papa Roach was brand new. Yeah, that would have been fire. New. And Slipknot was like at, at the the peak of its game. They're still uh, going. But, I don't know, dude. I mean, have you, they seen, were have like, you seen a show of? The, dude, they're gonna be right down the street from me in October. Come out to Austin. We'll hit the the Slipknot tour, bro. Like Slipknot knows how to put on a show. Like even oh, nowadays. But see, I'm yeah. They, they were in their thirties back then, so they could actually move more. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> is that nowadays, they're a little yeah. Slower. Now, like, dude, like legitimately, they have like these uh, crane arm things that they have their drums on that are like moving mm-hmm. over the crowd. It's insane. Anyways, back to uh, band anyways. Talk. That's what I. That's what I, I. I went on, and so during that time, my mom got sick, and mm-hmm. so my mom, uh, she was struggling through. Uh, a neuromuscular disease uh, called myasthenia gravis, and she still has it. It's not one of those things that goes away. You just live with it. Yeah. It's just a, it took years of diagnosis to figure out what she actually had, and she finally f- finally went through what she actually had. Um, she had to get a catheter to clean her blood because her blood was like not clean, for, clean enough for this, and so they had to go through a catheter. The catheter yeah. then got like poisoned, and she got septic, and she almost died. Oh my gosh! And so like I like my brother was very like he was a senior in high school so his kind of like his adulthood had already started like his young adulthood was like getting ready to get out mm-hmm. and so i was asked to like cl- clean and cook and all that stuff and so um i used food back then to be the coping because i was like oh i have to be strong i have to do the i have to do the housework i have to do the food work i have to work for school i have to do athletics i have to do all this and all this like this all this all this piled on me and and this is not like a woe is me thing but i developed that like uh that relationship with food rather than than it be a fuel for me then which is what i used before was for athletics was just fuel it was like my only way that i could get pleasure it's crazy that like just because honestly this is the first i've heard of like that part of it right and i think i've been 
open about the fact that my grandpa raised me and at a, you know I was, I was 13 14 and I took care of him full time mm-hmm. where like I'd get him out of bed you know shower him put him on the toilet all that kind of stuff and like still go to high school and so like I I had to take over that that cooking aspect as well like <clears throat> and it it's astonishing to hear like you put the put the, say those like words for me honestly like I feel like kind of uh flabbergasted a little bit for the main fact that like I did the same thing, right? Like yeah. I, I had to make him food. So I'd make something that was like, I, I knew how to cook. Like a 13 year old is not going to be a great cook. Yeah. And so no. it was no. just like buttered noodles with Parmesan on it. Right. Like that yeah. was, I remember eating that. And like, it was to the point where like, I just knew I needed to eat. And so I would just eat that cold sometimes. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know. It's It's just, it's crazy how, your survival instincts turn on and it's just like, I mean, I had a, a family member or, you know, a neighbor take me to get groceries and my grandpa would just give me a check to go buy groceries with. Right. Yeah. And so I was responsible for buying all the groceries at that age too. Cause like my neighbor didn't care what I bought. Like, so I'd buy like pop tarts and just all the, like, I, I shit yeah. on pop tarts so much. Like I love them. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I tie those so, so much to unhealthy eating. Yeah. And so, it's just, it's wild to hear that, like, not that others have gone through that, but like you have gone through yeah. that, right? Like, specifically. Well, it was like uh, reading the responses that you had from mm-hmm. different followers of ours and yours uh, and listeners to the show. Like, I was like, you know, I got to dive in more to my own um, yeah. personal situation and uh, more, you know, make it a little bit more. Cause yeah, I was like, oh, we can talk and discuss like everybody else's, but I was like, sure. uh, if I want people to actually truly understand and truly believe what, what I'm saying, I have to be as transparent as possible, Absolutely. especially with that. And like, I was like, I, I developed those, those mechanisms back then, uh, of the comfort, the food. And that was like, um, that was one thing that, that I, that I kept after I graduated high school. And so mm-hmm. once my mom got better and like, I moved out and went to college and had my own place, um, I was that active, but like, I still use fo- food as that, the coping mechanisms. And I was, yeah. and I lived by myself for a reason. And, uh, before it was just cause I was, I'm very self-sustaining. I don't like, I'm an extrovert, but I don't have to have constant attention, constant feedback oh, or I anything do. like that. <laughs> like, like uh, I don't have to have that. So I have, yeah. I'm an extrovert with introvert, you know, like attributes to both worlds you know like i i can i can go out into a public situation enjoy it and then get that fuel and then go back to my house and i'm I'm completely fine like i i I can i can unwind and so um and like that that was it so if anything any anything traumatic with me that went for you know uh for myself i would i would attach myself to food Mm -hmm. and um that's something that i remember doing as a child and uh, like this week i researched and it's it's kind of correlated to what we're doing and it's intergenerational trauma and just how like oh absolutely you develop coping me- mechanisms and your thought process and the way you you think mm-hmm. and react is a generational thing it could be multi generations that have that have passed this down uh and it's not tied to any ethnicity and so i, I, I people of all races have this issue mm-hmm. and um i remember when stuff would happen like like my dad had a heart attack when he was 35 uh, and it was a stress-related heart attack. It wasn't a food-related heart attack. It was a stress-related heart attack. Uh, he was he was some of the best health of his life, but he just he, he was working way too much and was too not much, taking. Yeah. And he his heart basically was like, "Hey, you can you can stop," kind of thing. Jeez. And so he had a heart attack. But like my mom took him to the heart hospital 
Um, and like I went to my grandparents' house, my grandma's house, and my uncle Jeff was there who was an alcoholic. Uh, and I say that because my uncle Jeff is part of like the, like it's a coping that he was part of where it was. Mm -hmm. And if anything, like anything in my family, my mom's or my dad's family, if something was occurring that was traumatic, food was tied to it. So they would like, Oh, let's go take you to get ice cream. Let's go take you to get pizza. Let's go take you to do yeah. this. And so, um, and it's, it's one of those things that you just want to keep your mind off of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you, 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 you take that in as a child, it's your sponge, you're soaking that up and you don't realize how, how that's going to affect you, uh, as you age and mature. And then you see the the habits, like when you see trauma occurring, you're like, Oh, let's get some ice cream. Let's just let, let's relax. And there's, there's good times for that. And there's bad times for that because sometimes you just have to deal with the trauma. Sometimes you just yeah. have to do, have to deal with it. And like, I was, I was joking and uh, not with you with myself. Cause I talked to myself before I, I jump onto the podcast. Um, <laughs> I talked to myself all day. Maybe that's why I'm a, I'm an extrovert plus introvert. Cause I can yeah. have a conversation with myself, <laughs> but the, uh, I was, I was sitting there going and I, I, I have like this voice inside my head that sometimes talks like Matthew McConaughey in a Lincoln commercial. And it was like, sometimes you got to get dying to get living. And I was like, sometimes you do have to die off of things before you actually like live. And I thought it was like the dumbest thing in the world. Like you, your, your, your reactions exactly. But then I was like, I'm just, I'm some... just like, I'm just picturing this. I'm like on a whiteboard. Sometimes you got to get dying to start living. Yeah. Then credited to Matthew McConaughey and then credited also to Brian subconscious. Yeah. Like... Brian subconscious <laughs> because of Matthew McConaughey. Exactly. Because my, you know, it's just one of those things. And so when I think of like stupid things, like when I think of like those like weird anecdotal things, mm -hmm. my mind goes to Matthew McConaughey in a Lincoln commercial, just saying random. Sometimes you got to go back to go forward. You know what I mean? All right. All right. All right. The that, that was a pretty good one. I'm not gonna lie about that one. That Much better great. than my last one. It was I mean, a it was better, better one than last one, one but last it wasn't one. Great it's still, an man. improvement. See, that's the thing. It's an improvement. <laughs> but you no, know, it was like I was like, sometimes you have to get you you have to do that. And so, mm. uh, this uh, intergenerational trauma that we're kind of touching on that I've talked about here, um, it's you you'll see it in a lot of families, especially those that have gone through traumatic mm. events over and over and over, or I uh, well, have had so, a traumatic event that has been affected generationally. Yeah. So not like, like the newest generation, but look, like four generations ago. For my family, right? Like, I, I, it's hard for me to talk about my grandpa at times, um, just for how much that he meant to me. But I mean, as a, as an adult now, he was fully an alcoholic. Like he would wake up every morning yeah. having a whiskey or you know Budweiser or whatever just to get the day started. And as a kid, I saw that right, but I couldn't like as a six-year-old, I couldn't turn to the same vices. Yeah. So you turn to an alternative, which is food, right? Mm-hmm. And you learn that. And I, I mean, my grandpa was so upset when my father died, just from what he's, what he had told me, what like family had told me. Um, he was just, he was broken about it. Right. And then shortly after my, my father died, his parents died. And he didn't know how to cope with those emotions. Yeah. And my grandpa was not an overly emotional person necessarily. And Out, so outwardly, outwardly. Yeah. Out, outwardly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll say that yeah. outwardly yeah. Is, is a good, he was not outwardly emotional. And so as a kid, I just, did, I didn't know how to process emotions, even into adulthood into my 20s, like yeah. early twenties. I, I did not know how to process emotions. I just, I, 
if you would have asked me back then, like, how do you feel? I'm like, oh, I feel great. I was so blind to stress and anxiety. I just, I would tell myself, oh, if I can't do anything to fix it, like why stress about it? And that's yeah. not necessarily a healthy coping mechanism, right? Like you can look at some situations like that and definitely take that into consideration. Like, oh, like if I can't actually do anything to fix this, then like, just don't worry about it. But there's other things yeah. that like you could address. You're just too lazy to do it. Speaking about myself, I'm not trying to like no. <laughs> target anyone. No, here. it's the truth though. That but, really is. Yeah. And so, but, but you're not the only one because yeah, no, of uh, course. The the research that I did on the intergenerational you know trauma is that um, a couple of things happen mm-hmm. with not just the the cause and effects, but a couple of things always happen when in re, in regards to this, and it's always denial and minimization. And so you're minimizing how yeah. severe the trauma is actually affecting you, or you're denying the the way it made you feel and so um and i mean that's it's, that's and that's just that part me. of life that's yeah. everybody like everybody yeah. like you know i can like until this week like uh, until a couple of years you know like a year ago i denied that i had an eating disorder mm-hmm. uh but i didn't think of it because it to me like uh, an eating disorder like i've said before to me i was like well i'm not bulimic i'm not throwing up my food right. i'm not you know purging myself i'm not uh, avoiding food i'm not anorexic i'm not I, any of this stuff like you know what you see as an eating disorder growing up especially on like A&E and then like MTV specials, none of them it talked are. about overeating. It was always undereating or... But I mean, of, does overeating make it as like sensationalized as yeah. like putting down 4,000 calories? Like that's still overeating, but like binge yeah. eating is just like an extreme example, right? Yeah. And like they, I mean, overeat every single meal and then throughout the day, like that's that's just as bad, if not worse, right? Exactly. And so the... The process when I'd go through and say, "Oh, I, you know, I didn't actually eat that food because nobody saw me eat it." That yeah. was my denial. That was me minimizing what I was doing to myself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, until I was, you know, grossly affected by a kidney stone, and told me like how bad my health was. Yeah, that's that's what it was. But um, you hit it nail on the head. Uh, the first like effect of intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. is that families across, if something happened generations ago. Like if mm-hmm. somebody was murdered or if somebody was killed in a car accident or somebody died as a drug overdose, somebody committed suicide, yeah. that trauma can be and will be, if not, if not, you know, <clears throat> actually looked at and worked on, uh, it can struggle. It can be a, uh, it can cause struggles with emotions. It can start a, a stonewall effect. Like your, your grandpa was probably a very good guy. You know, oh yeah. Probably I went mean, like, through like, I mean, early on, he was probably a very loving person. And mm-hmm. then once the shit hit the fan, his emotions went away because he's well, like, so that, well, I, don't I, mean, wanna, that's, I, I don't want to feel this. I, yeah. I want to, I want to bury this. I don't, I don't mean to overly share here, but I mean, my grandpa was nothing short of a blessing for me in my life. Right. Like he stood up when no one else would and gave me a home when my, my mother left and my father died. Right. Like he, he did that. And I, I know prior to that, like he had a mistress, he had like left his family, his six kids, he did that. And I, I think in a lot of ways, him taking me was like a, a path to some sort of like redemption for him. Right. Mm-hmm. To the point where I've had, I have an uncle who has his own host of issues, but he's, he's always called me uncle Steven. And I never understood why until one day he was just like, Oh, well, like you had a better relationship with my father than I did. So you're my uncle. And he told this to like a 12 year old. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> like, Oh great I mean, dude. Yeah. You're healthy. Um, yeah. But I mean, seeing that, right. And in my early twenties, like I did not have 
these coping mechanisms with anything emotional. And I hurt, I hurt my wife. I hurt, you know, friends and family that were, were close to me and strained a lot of relationships just because I had no empathy, no emotional insight to how anyone yeah. else was feeling besides, oh, I'm, I'm great. I'm fine. And it took a really hard look in the mirror and therapy. Like I, mm-hmm. I am a huge proponent of therapy to, to fix these things. And especially now that I'm a father, I don't want to see my son. And I mean, we're talking about having another child soon. Like I don't want to see any of my future children or my son now to have these same issues that I did. Right. And so like there, there comes a point where you have to draw that line in the sand saying, I will not let this intergenerational trauma continue in this bloodline. And it's funny because like my last name is downer, right? Like I, I, I've heard all the jokes. I know like it's kind of just a, a, a dumb last name in a sense, right? Like I hate to say dumb, in terms of like my ancestors and all that kind of stuff, but like downer really like, okay. And so like, I see my family and yeah. see how like the mistakes that they made and how they were just so unwilling and unable to cope with their issues. Mm-hmm. And well, I, for, just, I, for, I can't do that anymore for generations. And so um, yeah. just the, the thought of mental health and the thought of therapy and going to see somebody and talk to somebody or anybody, you know, the, the that thought has always been a, a weakness. It's always been looked at as a oh, weakness absolutely, for multiple generations. Um, up until recently, like 10 years ago is when the, the shift started to change and there's still issues now. There's still negative stigmas in different families. Um, but the, the habit for the generations struggling with emotions is that mm-hmm. you, you learn uh, from a young age. And like I talked about just a few, a few minutes ago, being a sponge, if your if your parents or your guardians or those that are around you yeah. internalize and not outwardly show their emotions, you then as well learn to internalize and not outwardly show those emotions because mm-hmm. that's part of the uh, that's part of the life that you live in. Uh, it's a coping situation, and then you find um, ways to find that euphoric feeling that you're missing, or Absolutely. the trauma that you're not dealing with, or the emotions that you're hiding. Uh, in ways like your grandpa with alcohol. My, I had an alcoholic grandpa as well. I had an alcoholic uncle. I've had drug addict. Uh, are, are we actually brothers? Like it's weird, man. I've had drug addict. <laughs> I've had drug addict um, aunts, and like um, I always I looked I at like those, and actually. the way we, and I say drug addict, they were like pill poppers, but still, yeah. you know, they went to jail for it. But mm-hmm. the um, the the crazy and my grandpa, my alcoholic grandpa, was a pimp in the forties, and he went to prison. So there's that. So, th- so is, you know, this is this, this is, is opening up the a bucket so. to all this, and I hate to go so off topic, but uh, I I recently had to go through this the situation with uh, my wife and her friend, and, and I mean, if they listen to this, that's fine. Um, I'm not going to name names or anything, but she uh, she would reach out saying, "Hey, uh, we got kicked out of our place, and like we're trying to get a hotel. They have a three year old, just like a three year old girl." And so I was sending him money and I was like, every time I did it, I said, I told Macy, I feel gross about this. I don't think this is exactly what they say it is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I am not a person that will gamble on this three-year-old sleeping on this, like on the road or in a, in a car. Mm -hmm. Turns out they were using all that money to buy fentanyl. They got pulled over. They fell asleep in the car on the road 
with their three-year-old in the car in yeah. jail for like 30 days, right? They're out on bail or whatever now. And they keep posting on social media saying like, oh, I'm sober now. I'm sober. I'm sober. This is great. We're getting our life back on track. In like a year, we can get our daughter back. This is fantastic. I'm so upset. And I want to say something because I was that kid. Yeah. And I fed into the same thing. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know if I know how to like deal with that emotion in the same way. And not, not, not that this podcast is the right, the right move for that, but being on the outside of it, right? Like I, I did nothing wrong with this. I didn't give into my own uh, intergenerational trauma, but I still fed into that system. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's hard knowing I did that. And I blame myself for it still where that may not be the right thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm mad about it, man. And, and yeah. again, I know this, like this, this episode and this podcast maybe is not the right medium for this conversation, but I think it's important to, to see like there's, there's different sides of this, right? Where yeah. you will have your own issues and whether it's overeating or anything else, but that branches out to like to the people mm-hmm. around you too. And it, it feeds into a system. And it, it is so toxic and so hard to get out of at times. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you're, 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 you're bringing to me to my next point. My next point was that trauma can limit the parent slash child relationship. And so, um, Absolutely. and this is trauma. This is, this is severe trauma. This is, this is, you know, issues with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. There's uh, sexual predators, you know, you know, things like that. There's severe trauma. There's also how we've talked about it before generationally uh, discussing how, people view food or how they view uh, large people and having body issues and, you know, passing that on your, your body image issues. And so parents who have not received uh, the proper help or support they need for their own personalized trauma will then put that trauma on their child, no matter how big or small that, that trauma will develop into something else. And um, my wife and I were discussing, we were, we were driving back from the beach this week um, on Thursday and, um, she grew up in a very strict household, uh, and you know, my mother-in-law and all that stuff, she's a, she's a great lady, but, um, she has her issues, uh, mm-hmm. and her issues, um, and not to get too much in detail on her, but the issues are, is, uh, more of a, um, she likes to, uh, play the victim oh in any, in any yep. circumstance. And then she likes to, uh, push her issues onto other people and so mm-hmm. she's 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 pushing those on there and saying well it's not my fault this is just what it was because my mom did this and in the conversation they had they talked about um the way that she talks about bodies in front of our our children and mm. because in her generation they openly discussed people that were larger they yeah. openly discussed if you eat like that you're going to be fat you don't want to be fat because if you're fat you're ugly and yeah. the discussions that we have is just you know, the discussion we have with our children is like, no, 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 no. We don't use that. We don't say that. We don't see that. This is not. People are who they are. People sure. are who they are. We are beautiful, for a peculiar tr- treasures uh, that are that are out like here. That. We're miracles. Yeah, we're 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 out there. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. And um, it like and so that like that made my wife dive deeper and say, you know, like my body issues being hers, her body issues has everything to do that's correlated with how her mother discussed it how her mother yeah. said, no, if you eat that, you're going to do this. 
and the crazy thing is that the generation gap between those two because they her mom had to adopt because they tried for years mm-hmm. uh, couldn't have kids and they finally adopted which is amazing because they got two kids out of the system that could have been negatively affected sure um and they got you know they were able to find the children love the children all that stuff but the uh the way that she likes to say well my mom's my mom told me this and this is what that is you know she herself struggles with weight issues um Mm -hmm. and knows that you know we've my wife and i've both lost weight um my wife was skinny most of everything until she had kids and then like that's when the weight issues got on and she worked through it and all that stuff and i mean i saw your beach pictures bro like y'all look great and so like we're 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 ourselves are happy like and so we have to discuss to make sure that you know hey this is something that you don't do because that trauma can then lean on to my child and i especially my daughter i don't want my daughter to have any type of negative self-image i don't want her to struggle with body image i want her to, she's already going to struggle enough when she goes through the hormonal changes and yeah. everything that involves becoming a teenager and becoming a woman that's already that's already a mind fucking its own in its own right okay it is i mean absolutely Additionally, though, there is such negative, I'll say negative body image things for for every gender, right? Yeah. Where men are supposed to be like six pack abs and like have all that stuff. That is so unattainable. And yeah. uh, I've talked on this podcast before how I look at other pages and I'm like, oh my gosh, that dude's jacked. I did at the store, this dude walked by, he was just ripped. And I'm like, oh, damn. I just, I don't have the 10 hours a day to spend in the gym to, to get that, there. You know, that's I mean? always like, my first question is like, what do you actually do for a living? Like, yeah. what is it that you actually do for a living? And most mm-hmm. of the time they're, they're personal trainers at a gym. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So and, and it's like, and that's, and I'm there. like, okay, you, okay. You're on HD. Like you're not going to be able to buy a, a $700,000 home being a personal trainer. Uh, Cause there's thousands of them, thousands. I mean, you walk into a gym, there's 150 of them that, that can be like, Oh, you got this guy that can do it for $180 a month. And I'm like, okay, no, I don't see how you make money doing that. Mm-mm. But those, those themselves, like, man, like I'm like the, the way I continue to, to see it and you know, how we've discussed it on the show is yeah. that I don't want to put what, what, and what, I, how, and what I see myself as onto my, uh, onto my kids, because not. I don't want my trauma to limit my relationship with my children. And I don't want mm. that relationship to develop something more because I shouldn't, I should, my, my kids should never feel like one that I can't control and handle my emotions and show my emotions and that I can yeah. actually voice them and talk to them in a, in a right-minded way or without shutting down. Uh, and two, not negatively shame somebody because of, because of what they look like. And so, and what, like and what they eat and that, all that stuff. So to me, it's like, holy yeah. crap, like, what are we going to do here? Because my kids know how much I like how much because my my like my son's like is this bad food and I'm like no there's no food that's bad no truly there's nothing unless it's unless it's rotten it smells bad <laughs> don't exactly. eat it. like other than that you're good to eat it man. I think we had uh, some chicken broth go bad so uh shout out to proper proper good had uh my backup supply of bone broth there so my wife there you go uh some refried beans tonight and I was like yeah she's proper good stuff it's, it's be better for you for you anyway yeah and so so the the crazy thing is is that we're talking about like just how um 
how this works just g- generationally just with my wife themselves like they yeah. they develop the body image based off generations and so inter- intergenerational trauma with just body shaming and Dude. body image is passed down rather than break the cycle they continue the cycle and so uh, Dude, my son was six months old and my wife's family was like oh don't don't worry he'll he'll start losing that weight once he uh, starts walking kids are kids bros i'm like he is six months old his job his sole job is to get chunky right now that is all yeah. he needs you to want them about. you want them to chunk up because yeah. that's i mean they're healthy and, and then once they're I, toddlers they burn it off because they just won't stop and i mean now that's always in the back of my head when my son sees family is that they're just gonna they're they're gonna have a thought about his weight and Mm-hmm. That 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 bugs me because I, I know they have the same thing about me. I know when I was at my head, they're so like, "Oh, Macy's feeding you well, huh? Isn't she?" At that same, that same time, and I'm just like, "You can Bro. like if if you have something to say yeah. to me, say it to me. Don't don't feed, don't beat around the bush on this. If if you want to yeah. call me fat to my face, do it. But you know, understand that you're coming from the same place. Like you weigh the same as me right now. So <laughs> don't be on a high horse. So with my uh the, my grandma that passed away just like December. Uh, Mm -hmm. when my wife and I were getting married, um, she met my wife and, um, prior to the the wedding at one of the showers and, uh, um, she goes, what do you do? And my wife was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a chef. I'm a food and beverage director as well at this place and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, well, I can tell that Brian doesn't miss a meal. And like, I'm literally standing next to her and I go, oh, thanks grandma. And my, my mom, my, my, my mom was like, oh my God, my mom walked away. And my wife was like, did she really just say that? And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's my grandma. Like she, like, that was just who she was. And um, she, I mean, she was a freaking stick. Like her whole life, she was just tall and skinny. Yeah. And uh, she had a meta- metabolism until the day she died, bro. Like, like literally. Some people do. And I mean, um, hey, good yeah. on you. Yeah. Like, hey, you got them, you got them good genes. You didn't pass them down, Gam Gam. So <laughs> I, saw, um, I saw recently, like, this, it was like a Twitter screen grab or whatever <laughs> i was talking about how her genes are like oh like you need to run a lot like you're running you're exercising oh like pillagers must be out for you don't worry i'll make sure you're nice and plump so you can survive the winter like don't worry yeah. and i mean that's that's where a lot of us come from right like yeah we uh what what's to touch there like so projecting like body stuff onto people so like mm-hmm. If you come from a larger family, if you're if you come from a family that struggles with weight and struggles with food addiction and yeah. all this other stuff, most likely everyone in that family becomes larger. Mm-hmm. And rather than they'll just say that's it's just genetics. It's just genetics. Right. It's just it's that's the excuse. Um, but if you go back to it, there are, you know, I mean, there are health reasons. I mean, there's valid health reasons that you can't lose weight and you mm-hmm. that you gain weight. It happens. There's medicine that you take that that might help with a certain disorder that you're going through that will make you gain weight like prednisone is a steroid it will make you blow up real fast and so if you know somebody that's on prednisone don't say anything about their weight don't even suggest anything about their weight no once they're stopped taking it then they'll they'll start to shrink back down it's just part of what what happens but there are families and like i i this is how i equate this because there are families that become dependent on how they deal with trauma and how, that's why i said you know, if you cope with food and you show that to your kids, they're going to cope with food and that's going to be a continued generation. And so if that's how they cope with things and how they cope with trauma and how they cope with emotions, mm-hmm. then that's how their, that's how their bad habits are uh, you know, there. And then rather than deal with those emotionals, you project them onto them. Yeah. And so you're putting that 
trauma back onto them rather than stop the trauma, which I know that's, that's, that's easier said than done. I know it's easier said sure. than done. You, you push it onto somebody else and let them carry the grief. And um, the way I equate it to is just like how our government has, and I, this is kind of getting political, but I don't want it to be too political. Both right and left side, Democrats and Republicans, have created. <laughs> you, you you jump into the, the politics a little bit every episode. I'm doing. Just, it I don't mean to do it, but I'm, I'm not. Um, get but I'm doing it now. I'm just straightforward here. Uh, we have we have a welfare system. We have uh, governmental handouts that that have been available for now. We're going on seventy years, and so we we have created uh, families and uh, and races and people that have been on governmental dependence for four generations now. And so if, if, if a family can get dependent on government handouts where they don't feel like they can get out of poverty because if they start doing something, they lose something, they do it with food too. And so it's just, just and it's, so I, it's I have, severe and it's sad because a lot of that's the situation. This, right, like when, and this, this goes into much bigger like socioeconomic issues in terms of um, like, actual like healthy food scarcity in these environments, yeah. right? It, it is, if you're trying to buy groceries on a budget, on a very fixed budget, it is hard to, like I just spent $200 at the grocery store. That'll be gone by Friday. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in a place where I'm, I'm lucky enough. Like I came from a system where like my, I was, I received social security, my grandpa received his, that's how he paid for our bills when yeah. I was a child, right? And um, I know I posted it on social media, but like my wife and I are like, in the process of building our third home, right? Like not like we don't own all three at the same time, but like By hell, we're, no, but like we're we're this is our the, vacation home, like but we're in like, Putacana. Like honestly, in the in the process of building our dream home, the one that like we can see ourselves staying in through you know holding going to college and all that, right? And I understand that, like I mean, we had a real conversation about this that just by us being lucky, so fortunate and, and privileged, right? So we got to this point and that is not the case for everybody. No. And so these, these systems where if you are more lower income, which I think I haven't seen research on this, I haven't done the research on this, but I just, I have like anecdotally friends and family that like were also lower income that were larger. Right. Mm -hmm. It is so hard to, to break out of that. And you're talking about the system where, if you try and go better yourself and get a better job, you lose your like welfare, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's a, a greater conversation to have there where why are we in a system that if you go and try and better yourself and try and get a job for $36,000 a year, like minimum wage, and you're, you're, you'll take home less, right? Like mm -hmm. yeah. after you start paying taxes and you try and get out of this mm -hmm. system, you will make you will bring home less money by doing what you should. Yeah. Because everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, like I said, that's a whole other rabbit well, hole. And I, and I know that like, and politically, it's not, like we're kind of aligned in a lot of things, but we're also, you know, different in a lot of areas too. Yeah. And so, um, I see the way I equate it is, and the reason I brought it up, not yeah. only just for the social economic side of it, but, sure. um, you're in a grocery store, no matter what state you live in, most of right. our listeners are from the United States. I don't know what kind of programs are overseas or what's out there, sure. but um, you'll see the Wix approved products Absolutely. on the yep. shelves, no matter where you're at, even in a, in a, even in a fancy grocery store, they have the Wix approved pro mm -hmm. products. And 99% of the time, 
those are overly processed food that are full Absolutely. of additives, sugars, and carbs. And like, and, and I'm not trying to make the, but it's unhealthy food. Like it's not oh, like, it is. it's like, and, and I say unhealthy, it's unhealthy because there's no healthy options because right. if all you're eating is processed junk, that's all your body's going to get. So then it becomes unhealthy. You're yeah. not balancing anything. And so, um, it's I mean, a sad it's, situation because that's, that's so kind of I know, where it's uh, at, you know, way left of the political spectrum, like San Francisco, right? They, they tried to do like a sugar tax on everything. Yeah. Coca-Cola spent millions, if not billions of dollars trying to fight this. And ultimately they, it, it did get put in place, but it also included things like, um, uh, not Infamil, uh, Pedialyte. Yeah. And anything that had just like added sugar to it, which I don't know. I, I, my wife and I try to limit the amount of sugar that our son has. And because I mean, just like <laughs> he's a different kid when he's, when he's had <laughs> enough sugar that he's just yeah, he's kid. impossible. Yeah. But um, outside of that, I just, I don't want him to feel like sugar is necessarily a part of a healthy diet that it is fine for treats. It's fine yeah. for like special occasions or whatever it is. But I don't want him to think that like, Oh, I need to have like, this much sugar. I, I, do, I look at the label of everything he eats. Yeah. And I'm blown away. He has these little milks that he, he likes to drink. 21 grams of net carbs per eight ounces. See, I, I never look wow. at the carb side of everything, but like <laughs> I look at sugar and uh, the sugar intake on, yeah. you know, what, what kids eat and what my kids eat. And mm -hmm. it, it kind of throws me off because I mean, it's gotten worse, strangely enough, over the, uh, over the time frame because there's more options now. Sure. And, uh, like we had little, we didn't have little, we had options, but we didn't have the vast majority of options. Like the, the ice cream section used to be just like four right. freezers and now it's a whole, a whole aisle, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, and, and, and there's more grocery stores than there was back then. And so there's more uh, access to things like that. Sure. So, um, the, the crazy thing, when you talk about the, uh, the younger generations, uh, this is one of the points that I wanted to make for the intergenerational trauma is that, um, if you're okay with it, you know, and you, you, you're showing that you're okay with your, 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 your behaviors and how you're eating and how you're, how you're viewing any type of negative effect to your, your, your children then will become content with it. Like, Oh, okay. Like you as a child didn't recognize how severe your grandpa's addiction was to alcohol, right. uh, because you could be, it was just part of life. That was yeah. just, they become content well, and it was just kind of like, like seeing your shadow during the day. It's like, Oh, it's there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just part of life. That's what it is. And so, um, the issue is, is that that then becomes a survival method for them is sure. that rather than dealing with the trauma and, you know, focusing on what they need to do, uh, and realizing your triggers, they just go into survival mode and become content and just allow that. And that's why you yep. see, uh, people, uh, people that come from, um, uh, abusive relationships, find right. other abusive relationships and it's a it's a hard cycle because that's what they're content with because that's what they feel like they deserve or some something there you know what i mean and it, it's a sad situation and so when you go into a situation like uh, a food you know negative food habit mm -hmm. um or you know things that you know, that you're not figuring out like what your trigger is like how you mentioned like what's my trigger here the uh if you're content with it all you're going to do is continue the vicious cycle and it's going to be one of those things that just like i dealt with um you know, a few years ago when I started keto, the yo-yo stuff, yeah. having people not believe in me because of my yo-yo. And, and like, I just, 
and it's, it it's one thing to like internally have like a an opinion on someone's weight loss journey, but to vocalize that, I just I can't. Yeah, it, it, I can't wrap it, my head around how someone could be so unsupportive of it. You know, and that's that's the uh, <clears throat> yeah the the relationship in hand is a competitive relationship, and mm-hmm. so it's like, what do you what do I have that you don't have, or what does he have that that I what do I have that he doesn't yeah. have? And you know the um, the relationship that I have, and for those that don't know the story, the literally my own blood brother, my own actual brother, uh, told me that I was going to fail because uh, I had posted a, a picture on Facebook. I was like, I had um, a steak, mm-hmm. I had like slices of garlic butter. I created my own garlic butter, and then mm-hmm. asparagus, and had a Michelob Ultra in the picture. Yeah. And like a Michelob, we're talking about a like a sixteen ounce skinny can. Mm-hmm. of Michelob Ultra, you know, one of those. Like what, three and, or four carbs, maybe? Yeah, three carbs. It was 2.6 yeah. carbs. It was three carbs, you know, yeah. so it wasn't even any, like 90 calories, 2.6 carbs. That's <laughs> yeah, what it easy. is. And uh, he goes, you do realize that, you know, those have, those have carbs. And I said, bro, they fit my macros. And so it went in there, um, went in there and that discussed. And I was like, hey, you don't know anything about this because you haven't researched this. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. I know everything about carbs. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like, <laughs> literally, you don't. And so... It went into the that point, and um, that's when he was like, "Well, you're gonna fail it anyway, so what does it matter?" And um, that's that's the relationship that's so I, there, and it's yeah. and I don't ever provide any type of like if he asks because he gained weight, mm-hmm. you know, karma, you know, karma, <laughs> you know, what happens? But he gained weight. But if he yeah. asked for advice, I said, "You don't want to, you don't want to hear my advice because what I'm going to tell you is something that you're not going to like to hear, and I'm not going to tell you." I said, sure. it's not that I'm trying to not help you in your journey, but what I've done, mm-hmm. I know what I could do and I know what you can do. So I, I said, you can, you can listen to me. I said, but you're going to think whatever I tell you, whatever you think is going to be the way. And sure. so it's until you deal with that part of your life, I'm not going to be able to provide you any type of assistance. Like it's just so going to happen. I'm newer to this whole like sibling relationship thing. Um, and my oldest sister and I had like a, a recently had like a falling out and we just don't see on the same page. Like, I, I mean, <clears throat> I just don't know if we know how to like know each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. I, I, and that's like sad. And I, I want to see it fixed. I just don't know how to go about it at this point. But when, like the last time we talked, I told her like, Hey, let's just take like a small break off social media. Let's just chill and just, you know, because th- th- that's how like the, f- the argument started was off, off social media. So I'm like, let's just take a small break there. Like, I'm not going to block you or anything, but let's just always take a small break there. And she's like, how dare you abandon me like our mother did? And I'm like, you, you weren't the only one left. Like, <laughs> that's, that's not a, a fair statement, right? Yeah. But I think I think it's because like we have a similar backstory and we have a lot of the same like emotional baggage that like... Mm-hmm. She knows the the buttons to press just to like hit it home, right? Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> when you're trying to hit it home, it's gonna go one of two ways, right? You're gonna hit a home run, or you're just gonna foul ball right away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. See, I know sports. <laughs> but, Look at you, man. Look at you. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting, and I mean, in that, and I, I guess just to like give you back up there, like I absolutely agree it is not your place to tell your brother. Like, even if he came to you like, Hey, I need to get help. So I want keto. I'm like, mm, not, I am not, I am not the person. I'm not the yeah. one. It, it's, it's just <laughs> for the, the, the fact that I know 
uh, early on in keto where I did research and research and research and research just yeah. to, to figure out what I needed to avoid. Cause you a nerd. I know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just, I, I'm an analytical theater thinker. I think in numbers, I, I have to, I have to figure out everything before I even do it. And he's not that fun person. fact about Brian. He actually, the way that he, his eyes work, he sees everything in the matrix. It does. It's, it's just one yeah. of those things. It's very strange. It's, it's, it's fun too. So, and you get to see Lawrence Fishburne. So it's kind of, you know, <laughs> that's but it's not Lawrence Fishburne in like the matrix. It's Lawrence Fishburne in Peewee. So if you, he oh. was the, he was a cowboy in Peewee, by the way. So if anybody didn't know that he was the cowboy in Peewee's a uh, little play. I thought you're going to go with like a, like a, a so, better reference than Peewee. No. Peewee Herman, man. Peewee Herman. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no better reference than Peewee Herman. So he's the, he was the original Bill Cosby without the, uh, without the drugs. So he was just a creep in public, not in private. So that's, that's Peewee Herman. Um, but this week, like, and I really hope this episode kind of like digs deep, not digs deep, like too, like, I, I hope people that listen to it actually, um, listen to it that they actually pay attention to the message that's being delivered because even even more than that like i hope uh, yeah i I want them to listen to the message of the podcast but take some time and be introspective of yourself yeah that's what that's what i was gonna say is hold up the mirror while you're listening and so um i usually when steven posts something i usually comment like nine times and it's all usually stupid (laughs) stuff um that's just who i am when you when you post a poll question that's there i'm just going to continue to say something random the whole time i know i know uh and that's just that's just my that's just my that's my thing that's and it triggers steven so he uh he hates it but uh just the, just seeing the response. The only one that, that got me was when I posted the food truck. And you're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "What? Like, what do you want me to answer?" All the I want to know what it is. What truck. was that? Like, no, I I want to know what kind of food truck it was. And what is that? I know it's a food truck, but what kind of food truck is that? Like, uh, I want to know what it is because it had like history. It didn't even have like a menu. It had like this is our oh, story. Was absolutely and I'm like, a menu. Yeah, but like a menu on it. That's but like everything else. There was a lot of information, and I was like, <laughs> "What kind of food truck is this?" I'm not here to get educated. I'm here to eat, kind of thing. Um. <laughs> That's just the situation, but like I, I hold that mirror up and see yourself because uh, that's the that's the first that's the first way, uh, and I would say the best way to start. Like when, when you when you go in there and you start reflecting on just internal mm-hmm. ways, that's when you start figuring out your triggers. That's when you start figuring out what you need to you pay attention to and how to yeah. avoid it, and just know that because once you know that about yourself, like your friend mentioned, you might be looking until you start reflecting and working on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, you're going to fail. Like, make sure you're doing this for your, you, you know, uh, for more than just the weight. And, uh, and I, I've mentioned it in multiple episodes. Like you see the people that continue to, to struggle as they go through their journeys. They're like, Oh, I had a, another issue. I had another issue and yeah. like nothing against them. That's just human nature. I did that too. And it's mm-hmm. like, um, from your post and your, your poll this week and just got me more inner, like as I started reflecting even more. Yeah. And I was like, if more people would want to be more honest with themselves, because if you, if you start being honest with yourself, you're going to start being honest with the public. And so Mm -hmm. it's going to be with your family and friends and say, okay, well, this is is where I know I struggle. Like, this is where I know I struggle. So my, uh, my stepdad, he, uh, has a lot of just things that like, his name is Dave, that Dave says, right? Hey Dave. And one of them is, you know, you can lie to everyone else, but that person in the mirror. Right. I mean, He's like doing it right there, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great, man. And I mean, just, I mean, anytime anything happens in my life that's 
of any noteworthy. I, I call Dave immediately. Just like, Dave, I need help. What do I do? Um, my son's middle name right after, right after Dave there. And so he's, he was asking to talk to his, uh, his namesake, but, um, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, I mean, taking that step and I, I think everyone, I mean, maybe I'm speaking about myself here, uh, in the past, but I know that a lot of what I did was just deflect. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to feel that emotion. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel angry. I'm just going to deflect. I'm just not going to feel it. Yeah. That only works for so long. Right? Well, you, you, you don't. Only... You don't actually def- deflect it, though. Like, no, I mean, you don't. All you're doing Absolutely. is burying it, and it's going to come out eventually when you're watching <laughs> yeah. some shitty movie, and you just start crying for no reason. Oh, dude, there's this uh, metal song that talks about like growing up without a dad, and it is cats in, cats in the cradle. No, no, I'll, I'll send it to you. It, it's great. It's called Fatherless. Uh, I, if I'm intently listening to this song, I can't get through it without crying. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll be. I, and it looks insane because like it, just anyone walking by my car or whatever when I'm listening to this song, it's a heavy, heavy metal song, and I am sitting there bawling. <laughs> the whole like, I can't. Yeah. Handle it. Like, it so is, it's terrible. The the funny thing, um, there's a movie called Jeff Who Lives at Home, and it has Jason Segel and Ed Helms in it, and it's yeah. a it's a very indie comedy movie. It's never it wasn't like major hits or anything like that it was in theaters but it wasn't like it wasn't it didn't perform well okay okay but the uh the movie and the i always tell people they're like well what's what's one movie that that hits you in a way that you never thought was going to hit you and uh i watched this movie uh mm-hmm. when i lost my job in 2013 um and i was going through um going through that that issue and so yeah. and i you know i i kept burying and deflecting like my emotions and like my fears uh while I was searching for a job and mm-hmm. you know is still eating like a an asshole but uh watch this movie and uh Jason Segal's character Jeff um mm-hmm. is searching for a sign and so throughout the whole movie he's searching for a sign and then it's all just bullshit that got him into more issues and all these other problems and developed and at the end of the movie the there the the sign that he had at the beginning of the movie came real and like it was it's a good movie but like i bawled like a like a like a <laughs> like an eight-year-old that or like a five-year-old that just lost his balloon at the the fucking carnival like i was like and it hit me and like i like no matter when i watch that movie it hits yeah. me every same way it, it hits me it, like i i can remember how i felt uh um, yep and that's just that's kind of weird like the same like you're listening to that song but I think we all have something that does that to us. Like there's always something that does that to us. There's days that I like, there's days that I'm like, ah, I just want to, like, I, I want to avoid any like heavy emotions. I'll get on fucking TikTok and it has all these feel good things. And then I look at yep. myself in the mirror and I'm like, why am I crying? Uh, you Dude, know, the boss baby two movie got me a little dusty. When I, I haven't watched theater. it yet. So, <laughs> oh man, I was in the theater. Um, but the first one was even good. I mean, the first movie was pretty good too. So like, I don't, I don't remember it, but I remember number two, man. Inside Out, bro. Just... Inside Out oh, was one of those. Oh my gosh! How do you? That's get... the one that just like if you don't feel nothing in that movie, there's something wrong with you. So you're, you're, I, a, you're a sociopath right there. I used to listen to podcasts a lot more, and there's just one called the uh, After Disaster, and one of the hosts of the After Disaster is also like a film critic, and so he has to go see these movies all the time. And he was telling, he was talking about like you know he went to go see Inside Out in a theater filled with kids. Like it was him, a 40 year old man, surrounded by a bunch of like six-year-olds right and so what's the what's the, the imaginary name imaginary dude name are you talking about the um the elephant dolphin guy yeah i'll, I'll look it up real quick. um uh, 
I know what you're saying. I'm, I, his his name's right there on me. Um, like B Bill, something? P something? Um, it's like a B. Like um, Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when spoiler alert, when Bing Bong dies, <laughs> he's when he gets about, for, when he gets forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's telling me this. Like he's telling like the podcast a story about how like this kid like right in front of him when when Bing Bong gets forgotten, this little kid is like Bing Bong. <laughs> and just loses it like the yeah. kid starts crying because like, i would dead. too man like that was like you, you don't but i mean that that movie in itself and it, it, like how you do the self-reflection and you go yeah. inner with it like um you go inside out inside out bro like that's what the whole thing this is Dang. inside out name of the name of the episode easy right there um when you when you go in there yeah you you like what we tend to have and just the the outside perception like mm-hmm. Like when you when you're struggling with your you're depressed or you're angry or you're sad, yeah. um, or you're melancholy, you're just like there's just like there's people are like oh put a smile on your face you know like oh that's trash that's trash you know what I mean like turn that frown upside down Charlie Brown you know what I mean like but that's mm-hmm. the neg- that's always been the outward side is find find your happiness find what makes you happy why why would like instead well it's of, called like silver lining stuff too yeah like, oh well I mean it could be worse right? it could I be mean, worse uh, absolutely. My but house that movie, catch on fire, but like, but it could be worse. Like uh, you could, you could be dead. Worst. Like, yeah. oh, thanks. But now I'm just homeless. I appreciate Gee, it. Guys. Great, thanks. Yeah. No, this is great. Um, but it it shows that it's okay to feel sad. Like it's okay Absolutely. to feel the emotions that you're feeling, and rather than reject those, and rather than bury those emotions, it's it's okay to feel those emotions and just be who you are in the moment. Yeah. Because that's what's going to get you through, and that's what's going to prevent you from seeing the triggers. Because if your trigger is, oh, if I'm sad, I need to eat. And that's the only way that's going to get me from not being sad coping. is eating because yep. that's a coping mechanism. And all you're doing is flipping a switch and going down that negative path. If you just allow yourself to feel the sadness and then start working through that, either with yourself, your family, or with a therapist, doesn't matter. Don't feel no. ashamed by it. Don't ever feel ashamed. Like uh, we, 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 we have a follower, and I'm not going to mention her by name, but her herself, like I, I had a post that said, are you okay today? And she said, no. And like, I was like, okay, I was, I was, I was expecting a few people to say no. And I was like, I was surprised because she's always a positive individual. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay. I said, well, if you need anybody, and I wasn't gonna be like, well, cheer up Charlie, you know, like we got right, that golden yeah. ticket to Willy Wonka's factory. Like, let's, let's do this. <laughs> no, it was more of like, I, I, I just, and I, I think people need to know this is that in regards to just your own wellness is that there's people out there that'd rather be talking to you than hearing about you when you're dead. Absolutely. Like, oh my gosh. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't even know if I have the, the words for this, but I mean, seriously, any, any time, I mean, I wake up pretty early, just, uh, yeah, yeah, we're there hundred yeah. percent. It's just, that's the situation. And that goes for everybody. <laughs> like I guarantee you there's a person in your life that you can just go to like, mm-hmm. and, and, and don't be afraid to go to, because I mean, I'll, I I'll say too, you, it, it you know, as Brian and I are just internet friends at this time, right? <laughs> and, you know, the whole social media thing, it, sometimes it can be easier to go to somebody virtually, right? Yeah. And, and someone that you don't know that isn't necessarily tied into your life that can just sit there and listen, right? Yeah. Sometimes that's easier. Sometimes that's more approachable than talking to someone about how you actually feel in your real life. I think everyone should work to that and have honest, open discussions about how you're feeling and what Brian was saying, 
if I have any ask on this episode is to take five minutes this week. If you're feeling stressed, depressed, if you're feeling happy and just be mindful about that, right? Mm -hmm. Just remove, remove your distractions, sit in a quiet room and just feel what you're feeling. Yep. And be aware of it. That is, that is this, like one of the biggest things that has helped me through my life and everyone's different right like this you may get to the end of that five minutes and be like this was trash <laughs> but yeah you did it right and, it, and and it's um i keep on talking about how i want to do this like uh sensory sensory deprivation tank yeah and i keep hearing how like the first solitary confinement so. <laughs> the first one's trash after that dude if you could be weightless in solitary confinement i'd have so much fun yeah yeah it'd be great in the dark <clears throat> so yeah, it's it, so like the I, I get the meditation aspect mm-hmm. of what you bring to that side, but like um, figuring out like how to meditate back in like the last year during the, during the pandemic, like I figured uh, out how to meditate. <laughs> um, and how do you figure out meditate? I don't. Know, I couldn't get. I just like one day I, I just I started breathing. I, don't even call I just started. It, I, I started listening to my breath. Like I just like I and I had people like like what did you do? Because I can't clear my mind. I'm I'm an overthinker. I'm an overanalyzer. That's just who I am. Yeah. And when I when I go into a meditation mode and I just like to to you know clear the mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, I just listen to my breath and I start paying attention to how I feel and like what 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 it feels like to breathe in air and to breathe out air. Yep. Um, and like like it started making me feel like a wave. Like that was like one of the things. And so like it was a wave going through me. I was breathing in all the good energy and breathing out all the bad energy and like I could feel it. Like and that's just because I'm just a weirdo too. Really love the energy. <laughs> But like it was find find what you can meditate to. If it's well, so if like it's, mine, if it's crying in a car, yeah. listening to a metal song about being fatherless, or yeah. if it's watching Jeff it. who lives at home, or finding a quiet place, uh, not the John Krasinski movie with Emily Blunt, but like an actual no, quiet place. Though. Oh, it could be quiet could place be. too. Quiet Oof, place too. Like fire. I haven't seen either of them. Oh, um, so good. But uh, I mean, find well, that, what find I wanted that space. To, to throw in here too, right? Like the way that Brian describes meditation is not necessarily what I was talking about. Like mine was like the way that my brain works. And I, I understand this is very you know, Steven centric, right? Um, I, I call it like doomsdaying. I think of the worst case scenario and everything, right? Like we just had like a very big day yesterday and I went through every worst case scenario last night. I couldn't fall asleep because I was thinking of every worst case scenario. And I do that <clears throat> so that I can prepare myself, right? If it's anything short of this, I, I, I know how to handle it, right? Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, if I'm feeling anxiety or if I'm feeling depressed or upset, angry, whatever it is, it is to, for me, what helps is not necessarily to clear my mind, but to go down that rabbit, fo- rabbit hole further so that I understand why I feel this way and mm-hmm. what, what, what is causing that. And so that I am mindful through every step of it. Mm-hmm. And so that I can be mindful about my results from it Yeah. so that I can aim my actions and my intentions to the result that I want out of this and not get so bogged down in that feeling that I'm stationary. Yeah. See, when I meditate, because people are like, well, what do you do with the thoughts coming in? Because I mean, you overthink. And it like, you don't like, one of the things that I, that I learned when I was doing, I followed this guy, Tim Sinese, um, mm-hmm. on YouTube. Amazing yoga guy. Really cool. Really funny too. Um, but he had one point where we were like during his like shavasana he was like you're not looking to avoid the questions and to avoid the problem 
-hmm. what you're trying to trying to breathe in is the positive energy to deal with what's going through and that with with your mind and you're not disregarding what that thought is you're putting that thought you're putting a pin in that thought and putting it on the wall and then through that process and through that meditation process you kind of figure out how to like attack it mm-hmm. um without w- without like being too anxious or you know dr- driving your nerves up or raising your blood pressure right and um being able to do that because there was nights that i used to struggle with sleeping mm-hmm. and now i just fall asleep and i'm dead like i'm dead in the world <laughs> like, I, like you could you could tell my you can you could ask my wife like i once i'm ready to go to sleep i'm going to sleep like i'm just going to fall asleep i'm out and that's what it is that's and i used to have the, the thought process like i gotta think about this this and this and this and this all i have, I have to go through all those scenarios and it wasn't just yoga that did that. Like keto helped out considerably um, with just how I slept because I just slept better. Yeah. Um, and, but like with the yoga side of it and starting to figure out like internally how I processed my thoughts, I said, okay, can, am I going to solve anything right now? Like, am I literally going to solve anything right now? No. So what is it going to do for me to, to stay up? It's going to make it worse because once I actually start thinking and diving into this, Sure. Then it's going to make, and I'm gonna be like, well, I should have slept because I'm not clear-minded right now. You're like that's, you know, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. And um, it's also like that can help battle like the 3 a.m. motivation, right? Like, yeah. Are you really going to go change your life at three in the morning? Absolutely not. No. And if you do, <laughs> if you do, good for you. Like, good if, if for you, you have, congratulations. I yeah, I want to hear about it. Like, what did you do? Like, I mean, Jeff Bezos, like, hey, I'm gonna give you a call because I created Amazon at three o'clock in the morning, bro. And I'm like, oh, okay, bro. Um. And he went space. to space. Did you, did you space? see, what, so, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was NASA right? specifically, but whatever the organizational foundation that, like, controls the definitions of things changed the definition of what an astronaut is so that Bezos does not qualify anymore. Oh, does he not? No, he's not. Well, he's, good. Not, he's not actually uh, an astronaut <laughs> just because he well, went to good. space. Yeah, because it makes no sense. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of space, um, that's about it. That's the show. So it's empty. It's over. So it's done. Thanks. Thanks for listening to you guys. I, I really hope you guys got something out of this and that you're inner reflecting and you're holding that mirror up. That's it. Yeah. And you're thinking of butter while you hold the mirror up. Cause that's all you have to add. Yeah. Just like cover your mirror in butter. Oh, that'd be even better. Then be a tasty mirror. It'd be even butter. <laughs> all right. Episode 35 y'all. <laughs>